If you've always wondered how successful organizations reinvent their people and work strategy, then you've come to the right podcast. I'm Esther Martinez, CEO and Editor-in-Chief at People Matters. Join me as I talk to some of the biggest names in HR and business in the Asia-Pacific region, here on People Matters Unplugged. In a world that is more challenging than ever, more and more HR leaders are building systems that empower people. But how exactly do we inspire teams to have the courage to face a complex world? Here today to talk us through the concept is a dear friend of People Matters, Krish Shankar. Krish is a pillar of talent development in India, providing the community with foresight into the future of talent and the business in the region. With three decades of experience in human capital, he has built a stellar team in some of the most talent-intensive industries, such as telecom and IT. Krish, thank you so much for being here with us today at People Matters Unplugged. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Wonderful. It's a pleasure to have you with us and a very warm welcome once again, Krish. So tell us a little bit about, you know, what's your view on India being a global talent hub? If you see over the last 20 years, uh, India has become like the hub for IT talent. Yeah. Um, and India is phenomenal. I think India has grown over the years, the kind of talent that we have. The thing that is there is India can supply talent across all levels, you know, all capabilities. You may have the brightest people from the IITs who are working on AI, machine learning, and some, you know, real high and stuff. You can also have people who are kind of engineers, software engineers who are working on infra and maintenance projects and, you know, et cetera. So therefore you can get people across the spectrum. And I think, and, and India probably has the world's best across all this. Yeah, I think that's, that's one great advantage in India. Uh, but what really surprises me is that given this whole thing and given how talent is growing, we still have shortages of talent. For example, as of now, maybe the one skill that everybody is saying we want, we need more of is a skill called Java, which is quite basic, but, uh, you know, still it's a, it's in shortage. Uh, people with experience of Java is in shortage. So I think, uh, I think we have so much talent, but still when you need specific skills, they come in shortage. Like people with the knowledge of SAP or S for HANA, again, it's a skill which is uh, in, in extreme demand across the world. So I think what really surprises me is we've got to, you know, there are great pockets where there is still demand for talent and organizations have to really step up and develop talent for that. I think one area where we could do better is get our engineering institutes and colleges do better to get people more ready for the corporate world to work as software engineers and you know IT services companies or anything. Maybe they, there's a little bit more to do in that area. Um, I, I think if you look at all of us uh, in the tech and let's take an example of Infosys, we've also been looking at talent across this across the spectrum. Yeah, uh, 15 years back we used to hire one software engineer, but now we have said, listen, we we hired three different types of people. 
we had what we call as the power programmers, which are really the, the, the cream, you know, small number, but these are the cream high-end developers, full stack. Then we had what we call as digital engineers. Yeah, These are again people who uh, are people doing lots of work on digital and uh, key skills. And then you have the normal software engineers. So we've got uh, this thing. And what we've also done is create opportunities for people to move across. If you've just joined as a software engineer, you can still learn some skills, do a test and become a digital engineer or a power program. Yeah, so I think if you're, you've got great capabilities, you can really grow up. Yeah? What we have done, therefore, is uh, have the spectrum of different types of uh, people that we hire. Um, uh, some of them, and they work on different types of projects, etc. We also have a, a great training program where we get people onboarded on with specific skills as well as all specific packages and streams, so they can really, you know, be there. You know, if you look at digital as a as a part as a, as a company in forces in 2018. We had about 25% of our revenue as what we call as digital revenue. Now it's almost over 50%, yeah? And that's been growing. And a lot of that digital talent has come internally. And that has been through our own reskilling activities. So we've focused a lot on establishing what we call as reskilling, the whole reskilling ecosystem, yeah? We, we identified something called skill tags where people can be identify you know, any skill, 36, we started with 36 skills, now we expanded it. And for each of those skills, we'll have a learning path and people can complete that skill, then they can apply and move to that, that skill, you know, so they can get redeployed. And if they work there for six months, they get a skill tag. So they can call themselves uh, IoT architect or a cloud architect, et cetera. Yeah? Uh, and then some of those skills also get higher, uh, you know, skill premium, et cetera. So we've, created this whole thing about reskilling. And I think if, to your question, uh, to summarize that, I think IT talent in India is, is huge uh, across the spectrum, but still there are shortages for certain skills because those are skills which are much in demand and we may not have people in that experience. So we've got to really ensure there is a great reskilling engine at work in every organization, which is what we in Infosys have done. And that really helps us really keep talent learning and getting redeployed into newer things. I want to invite you to, to tap into the concept of developing people systems. So if you can help us break it down, or in a way reverse engineer, what is an effective people system? It's, it's a tough question, huh? but I think let, let, me, let me try and attempt it. Uh, and let me first, before I get into it, let me talk of a couple of concepts that I think uh, we've got to really understand. Yeah? <clears throat> I think the first concept is what I call as this focus on outcomes. Yeah? I think the key thing is we've got to say, we've got to start with what are the business outcomes that are needed? Uh, and then what are the people outcomes that are needed to help meet those business outcomes? Yeah? So therefore, that's the first step that you've got to say. For example, if the business outcome is for me to really have a set of people, talent that are ready to grow in this digital ecosystem, then the HR uh, outcome that is needed is to really ensure there is a reskilling plan, there's enough talent that are getting redeployed, there are learning paths for people. So all of that is, is a thing. So that's the first part, focus on the key business outcome. Uh, and then what is the HR outcome or what, what HR what jobs we need to do in HR to you know, enable achieve that outcome. So that's the first thing we got to keep in mind. 
I think the second one uh, is important is this distinction, which I call is between effectiveness and efficiency. Yeah? And this comes from Peter Drucker when he wrote this famous thing about the difference between effectiveness and efficiency. Yeah? Uh, you would all know that, you know, he defined uh, effectiveness as doing the right things and efficiency is doing things rightly. Yeah? So I think that's the, I think we want to think about the same within HR. HR efficiency is all about internal HR processes, you know, improving them, making them better. For example, uh, your time to hire or time to offer, if it's like 30 days, you want to reduce it to 15 days. That's HR efficiency. So we work on it. But HR effectiveness is those things that make an impact on the business. So what are the things that you do which are making an impact on the business? So you got to keep these two in mind. And I think from there, we start thinking about designing of these people's systems. Now, the other area which is very important is people's, as you start designing people's systems, you got to also start with a little bit what I call as empathy, understand what people want. So, uh, you know, HR systems are the most complex systems because there are different people working. Yeah, There are employees, there are managers, there are other stakeholders. So each has, uh, and all of them have to, and you've got to really design a system that really meets the aspirations of, uh, or the needs of every one of them. So therefore, these are much more complex systems. So all the stakeholders, you understand, you've got to really start working on it. The, the, I think the whole design thinking concept empathy, go understand what people want, then you kind of break it down, prototype it, uh, test it out, pilot it, and then you can really work out. So that's how a, a good uh, system will work. Is this HR system meeting the needs of the business? Is it meeting the best needs of all the stakeholders? And the stakeholders are all different, you know, employees, managers, leaders, all of them. And I think it's got to really ensure that we meet the need for all of these. So at the heart of HR systems, I think, are empathy, a bit of co-creation, keeping the interests of the business, the, you know, this whole thing of what business need and outcome you're solving and ensuring that, you know, it, it lives up to the kind of values you want to grow as a company. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, uh, Krish, for that. And, and I'd love you to comment on this concept of internal talent mobility, because often there's a question of whether HR should really build or buy or borrow, but eventually it's finally about supporting business growth. What is internal mobility? The idea of internal mobility, developing people within the organization who are willing and able to embrace new challenges. There are companies which they say, listen, I'm going to only build, I'm not going to buy. Yeah? There are other companies which say, listen, we've got to buy a lot more. I mean, if you look at younger companies, startups or companies in, in where they are evolving, they say, I want to buy a lot more talent, etc. I think the answer is in the middle. Yeah, You've got to really ensure that there is a balance between this build and buy. As far as possible, try and build from inside. Um, but you also need to have the opportunity to buy so that you get new skills, new talent, new perspectives. Yeah. So ideally, the higher you go, the less you get from outside. You still have to get some, but you get lesser from outside. But lower down the organization, maybe you could really have. You know. And I think in a, in a way, one would say that uh, ideal thing, if I were to look at it, let's say at the senior level is maybe 80% from internally. At the lower level, about 50, 60%, you know, and therefore you get the other people uh, from. Now, building this whole thing needs many things, you know, because you have to ensure that there are people ready to get 
moving to the next level. So they are they've got the capabilities. So the internal movement will only work when there is lots of development happening on the job. Uh, if you don't have development on the job, people will not be ready to take on the higher roles. So therefore, uh, you've got to ensure that there is that focus on development and that's happening. Yeah? There is that focus that people will say, okay, I want to move somebody internally because I think he or she can do it and I'm going to hire somebody from outside at a lower level who I can train. Yeah, So that development focus is important. We've got to build that culture. Um, if you build greater amount of internal mobility, I think it creates a virtuous cycle. People come, they learn, they grow, etc. Yeah. So you've got to keep that balance. As I said, in HR, it's always a question of uh, the right, you know, it's a trade-off and the right balance. And it, the balance is different for different company in different environments. So you got to keep that in mind. So to build internal talent mobility, there are, again, as I said, there are many stakeholders involved. One group of managers may not like to re release people. Yeah? They may like to keep people or in a way hold them and grow them. Um, there's another group who may say, listen, I want to move around and I want to keep, you know, I'm only interested in what what growth I'm getting, I'm not interested in. So therefore, there are that perspectives also of certain people. So you got to keep all this in mind and ensure that, you know, you get the best of everything. So, yeah, I think uh, you've got to create systems of learning. You've got to create systems of people applying for other jobs like, you know, IJPs and others, incentivize people to move. Um, yet at the same time, we want to ensure that there is enough continuity in the current delivery to their the clients and the business. So I, I think it's a call every company has to take, every every leader has to take, depending on what is needed in that company, what is the context, what is the business situation, and you can choose how you want to do it. But whatever is your choice, you got to architect the system to really make it happen. Great, thank you, thanks, Krish, for that. And we're gonna invite you now to move into the concept of leadership. I know that you're a firm believer of the power of empathy, specifically in leadership and in HR. As people leaders, how we, how can we really build empathy in everyday situations? I think there is a feeling that empathy means somebody is soft. Yeah, and that's probably not true. I think it's a mindset. It's a mindset of really first putting yourself in the other's shoes. Yeah, and I think that always helps. But in a, in a business world, there are two types. One is the empathy, which is the, the, the design thinking uh, kind of definition of empathy. This is all about talk to your consumer. What is the inside? What do they want? The second second aspect of empathy is empathy as a leader, empathy as an individual, where you got to really, before you respond, before you listen, listen to a person, think about, put yourself in their shoes, and then you can respond. Yeah? And that way you'll be able to respond better. So I think that's key. Um, organization now need more empathy. They need more empathetic leaders. And with so much things happening, um, instead of us going and saying, this is how it's got to be, this is how it will be, it's better for us to go find out so that we, we get the reality. You know, empathy always helps us come up with the right solutions. So that's what I, I would say. How do you build empathy? I think it's a it's a mindset. I think you should, as an organization, you should within HR and others, you should force people to really go visit, visit the teams, go visit the sales force, go visit the front line, uh, talk to people, uh, have this concept of big focus groups before you do anything. So you get an thing. Co-creation, get people from different teams to come together. Then I'm going to tap into the concept of creativity and innovation, especially because HR has transformed from a very transactional or more operational 
function to really a very creative and a very enabling, uh, accelerating, I might say, um, function for the business. So tell us how creativity and innovation in HR has for business success and business acceleration. What are the core sources of value in it? In the past, it was money, capital, brand, whatever it is, no technology. Those are now everybody can get those. Now, what is the real source of competitive advantage or sources of value? Are only three things. It is talent, it is culture, it is your brand or reputation. Yeah, those are the three key things which are, I think, key sources of value. Now the question is, how do you build them? You know, now, and that is where innovation and creativity comes in. For example, you look at talent. How creative are you in, in, in getting the right talent to stay with you and to be at their best? Uh, and this is where you can really look at different sources of talent. Uh, the kind of training that you do. Again, there's a great amount of innovation that people can do. What kind of training? How are you doing? How do you bring in games? Uh, some amount of gamification, some amount of you know, social learning, some amount of peer learning to make things happen. Uh, so that you're, you have your people who in your organization learn faster and better than anybody else. Innovation really plays a, a, a great thing. So I think these are all the things, you know, in terms of where you could build value through getting you know focus on the right talent and their learning similarly look at culture culture is another area where you know uh, innovation and creativity can play a part first you got to define the right culture the culture that will make you be successful in the business the, the behaviors culture is what it's just a set of behaviors the behaviors that will make you be successful or distinctive from your competition in the business and the behaviors that will make your people stay with you you know they like to work with you so what are those that they see and once you define it, you got to then be innovative and creative in creating the, the initiatives that make that happen. You, know, you say, okay, yeah, in my, my company has a lot of young people. And I think one of the key things for those young people is they want to really learn. So how do I create a lot of a culture of learning? How do I reward learning? How do I reward learning? Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll love to go deeper on continuous learning specifically for HR. Tell us, how do you inspire your own team? to build capabilities on the job and, and beyond? I think firstly, people by nature can learn as long as you allow them to learn. Yeah. Um, as long as you allow them to you know, participate in, let's say, events and a little bit of you know, listening to what's happening in the world around. So they, they get there. You also create and you know, as leaders come together and teach. That's I'm, I'm a great fan of leaders teaching. So therefore, if leaders can take a session once in a quarter, once in six months, just talk about some of the ideas and what it is, that creates a learning culture and you can rotate that. So I think that's another one way of getting people to do that. Getting people to come up with new ideas, maybe small teams. So in Infosys, we have something called what we call as apprenticeship. So somebody can apply for a project somewhere else, you know, call it an internal gig or something, but I'm, I'm a PPHR, I'm a HR business partner in some part, but I want to do a project on corporate Ben. And I think you can allow them to do it. And that way they, they will learn, they will do something. So I think it starts by us creating an environment for it. It starts by us creating, uh, you know, setting that example, but also allowing people to learn and allowing people to come with ideas. So all this will really ensure that people keep learning. And now I think there's so much learning while, you know, a lot of it may not be great, but there's enough on LinkedIn, Twitter, you can pick up ideas and read and, you know, and hope maybe 50% maybe of them are just, uh, uh, commonsensical stuff. But if somebody wants to go deeper into it, they can go learn and understand much more. Yeah? So that's that's what it is. So we try and do that. We try and get projects done. We get people to take on courses. We had a 
uh, kind of a learning certification with Cornell, eCornell, and the people, the HR people could really uh, get certified on some other courses through Cornell. So all that helps them really keep learning. Many of our listeners have read your book, Catalyze. I had the privilege to read it almost, I think, in the first month that got launched and, and thoroughly enjoyed it. Since you wrote the book, how has your view of HR leadership changed? Well, I don't know if it's changed in writing, but I think writing the book made me think about HR a little bit, think about what is happening, and I see and I become more aware of some of the changes. I've also started learning a lot more uh, from people. I think the core principles of HR remain the same. I mean, they are timeless. You know, these are all principles of basic human understanding, working in teams, working with the business, uh, understanding the business. I think these are timeless. They won't change. But the, the various new technologies that are there, the various new new kind of research that is there that we can use, uh, the new ideas that are there that we can do, all those are changing. Yeah? And the expectations of people are changing. So we've got to really keep abreast of it and start being much more contemporary. Yeah? And that's where I think uh, I've, I've seen that B in HR have to be much more ahead of the game uh, to, be, to be relevant. Did you enjoy today's episode of People Matters Unplugged? Don't forget to subscribe to our Unplugged series on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Wherever you are in your HR leadership journey, People Matters is here to empower you to become the answer.